Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage, and in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Here we are again, another episode of Level Up. I'm Daniel. I'm here with Katie. And it's about time we discuss our clients, the people we do business with, and what they expect, how we shape what they expect, how we deal with what they expect, (laughs) and ultimately the sorts of things that can happen when we do or don't guide them in the right direction or prepare ourselves and themselves for what those expectations are. Totally. And so this is going to go in a lot of different directions because there are so many different factors that come into the relationship between uh, any business person and their client, but specifically in the real estate profession, um, there's a lot that we have to stick handle when we're dealing with people uh, right out of the gate. And this is straight from the first time you meet someone and then as you develop a relationship, uh, there's some important things you need to consider so that you don't fall into the traps of a mismatched expectation or a really out-of-whack expectation that ends with, anger or other bad emotions yeah yeah I mean yeah as you said there's so many different directions we can go with this I think one thing to keep in mind is that we are we we are the experts we have the knowledge of past experiences behind us but at the same time we don't know a hundred percent where the market is going at any time so it's, or, or people's per, their own or personal their situations, like right. or, or who they are. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like we're part salespeople and part psychologists in mm-hmm. my mind, and I think the psychology part definitely trumps the sales part no a lot of times. But what I'm just talking about is just the fact that the market can change at any point, and although we are keeping tabs on it, things can go certain directions with certain properties or whatever it is, and we we can't predict it, but we can help manage our clients' expectations through the process so that they're not completely thrown off and potentially turned off of a potential transaction. So let's start by talking about that most common expectation thing, which is as a buyer or a seller, expectations tied to the price Mm -hmm. associated with properties. Because that's when you're talking about the market. I mean, generally, that's the kind of expectation you're talking about. I think that's going to be I don't want to say it's the most finicky or most emotion inducing expectation that can go wrong, but it's the biggest one in terms of yeah tangible value and where people can get really peeved. held up. Well, I think, yeah, I think what it is, is when you're list, especially when you're dealing with sellers, let's start with that. Yeah. Thing. Because I think that's, that's the most common thing with sellers is your sellers usually have a number in mind that is going to make them happy. And that number can either be very reasonable, but sometimes it can be very unrealistic and very tied to the emotion and the feelings that come along with their home. 
Yeah, there's there's a lot of I guess step one is peeling away the layers of what is leading them to what they're thinking. Whether yeah. it's on point or not, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's people, I mean, the common things are, like you said, people who have a connection to their home, people who talk to neighbors and, and get a feel, people who know what the recent sale prices were and think their place is compares better. one yeah. way or another. Um, you know, family members, their own personal financial situation that sometimes may lend itself to a number they need, which isn't yeah. necessarily the number they're entitled to. Or you could also, and I've dealt with this situation recently, you as the salesperson could be very confident in a number that your clients will likely be able to achieve, um, which may or may not tie directly to what they want. And if you are coming in super confident that they can get what they want without testing the waters, without putting it on the market, it can really bite you. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's recently something like a situation that recently happened with me. Like I went into a situation uber confident thinking I knew exactly what was going to happen and lo and behold, it didn't. And then you kind of have to backtrack and explain and try to rationalize why they're getting a different result. Right. And so there's a few things that come from this and you didn't do anything wrong in, in your approach. I mean, I know that 2020 hindsight, you know, you don't get what, like, we all looked at the same, this is a property that's recently selling or sold or whatever. And and it's, it's going to be sold not at the number that everybody and their brother would have expected it to sell for. And that happens, Mm -hmm. you know, like, sometimes you're just dealt a hand where a property doesn't end where the comps and the market at the moment in time said it would. Mm -hmm. And We've just gone through months of a pandemic that threw all kinds of curveballs that have thrown everything into the trends that existed four months ago are not yeah. the same trends that there are now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that being said, I mean, you and I have always, and we talk about this all the time, we have not too different of an approach with people, in, in but I'm very, maybe to my detriment, clear with under promising on people on everything like even if I think there's a number someone can get Mm. I typically won't volunteer that unless it's like okay this is something I know that I think they can get and it's going to lose me the transaction if I don't show my cards a little bit right well that's the thing it's a balance so how do you figure that out like if you're at a listing appointment Mm -hmm. and you've got a client that you know or a potential client that you know is interviewing other realtors yeah and you know they need a certain number how do you play that out? So what we've talked about and what you do and I do and our agents do is it's about it's taking them off of and it's not an easy thing to do. It's taking them off of the number for long enough to make them confident in what the experience is going to be, what the knowledge is and so con- taking them off in terms of just like redirecting the conversation? Well, not even the conversation doesn't get there unless they, if they want to volunteer, like you always want someone to volunteer what they expect before you say anything in not just the number and everything in time it's going to take to sell in what their personal situation is because information is always your greatest weapon in being able to communicate where you want the conversation to go. But for me, it's not that we'll never get to the number, but it's first it's about the rapport. It's about ensuring the trust is there. So if there's going to be some tough love or if there's going to be, you know, uh, 
here's the good news, but here's the bad news kind of a conversation. It's done in such a way where this is me telling you because I know what I'm talking about and you trust the knowledge I have. And so if I'm giving you something that doesn't sound like what everyone else is telling you, because that's where people get nervous. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone's interviewing a few different realtors, one of them is bound to say, sure, I can get you that. Right. Right. Like that's what you're up against is the person who says. Who promises what they want in order to get get the listing. Right. And so A, you don't want to be that agent. If you are that agent, stop doing that because that not only will end up in you disappointing your clients but it could end up in you losing money investing in something and it not selling and bad reputation so on and so forth yeah um but if you can be the realtor who goes into that competition and wins the business by not saying that Mm -hmm. not every person out there is going to go with the person who gave them the lower number just because it was honest and more thoughtful and whatever most people will go with the higher person but which clients do you want no, exactly. And, and, and that's, I think, what it comes down to yeah. for me. I mean, we've both walked away from people yeah. who had unrealistic expectations. Sorry, go Sorry. ahead. No, no, no. I just, I, I remember hearing this quote last week and now I'm trying to remember what exactly it is. It was more like, it, it, it was positioned as, are you going, oh, are you going to sell homes or are you going to sell listings? Something like that. And mm-hmm. it was the idea that, are you just going to be somebody that lists a hundred homes but never sells them? Or are you actually going to sell a home? Right. Because half the battle is getting the listing, but the other half is convincing your client what it actually is valued at and what the appropriate marketing strategy needs to be and have them agree to that. So I think right. that's like, you know, that that just really makes you realize that you're half-assing it if you're just telling your client you're, you can get whatever they want to get for it right. and then put it on the market. Well, especially if your game plan is to get the listing and then work the expectations after there's a signature. Yeah. Because that's a real dick move. It is. And people do it. Like people will say, great, I've got you now for six months or whatever the number is. I've now got a couple weeks before we list to kind of come off of what I originally told you mm-hmm. so that we can be real with each other. Yeah. And that is just so toxic for your relationship. And we hear from people all the time who are listed and pretty fresh in listings saying, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? I want, and it's not always, hey, I want to work with you or things like that. But people just saying, I'm with a bad person right now. Sometimes it's because their expectations are out of whack and their realtor is being honest with them Mm -hmm. and they don't like hearing the truth. But often it's because they were sold a bill of goods out of the gate and now that realtor is not delivering. So expectations as a whole are a function of your ability to really set the stage for a good relationship. Yeah, and it all comes down to proper communication. Like you aren't going – you need to go into every situation – with a proper communication strategy. You can't just start working with somebody and I'm I'm thinking more about buyers because I've I've experienced this with my, myself um where I will start 
showing buyers properties without even sitting them down and really getting a firm idea about what they're looking for, why they want to move, like Mm -hmm. all of those important questions you need to ask because you're so excited just to bring a buyer out and start getting them started. But it's kind of like a surgeon just rolling you into the, the surgery room and start operating on you without actually knowing what you want or what's wrong with you. So I mean, that's a little extreme, but like, (laughs) but it's true. And like the more you get to know your client, the more you get to know what's driving their decision, the you will be much better set up to better communicate with them. So yeah, so this is this first ten minutes of the podcast has been about the lead up to even getting the business and developing relationships with every client you have in order to forget setting their expectation. You need to understand how they're coming into it. Mm-hmm. You need to know what you know and be prepared yourself. But like you said, selling is not what you're about. It's about relationships and understanding people and being able to turn what you know into a positive experience. That's what, that's what selling is. Like I'm, I'm just thinking of a, a situation today with a buyer's, like a, a showing I did with a, my clients and they saw a KitchenAid, one of those stand mixers on the mm-hmm. counter, like the big ones, right? And they want to move to a bigger home. And she had made a mention like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted one of these. And like I made a mental note. But afterwards, I started thinking like I should have really probed a little bit more. Like, oh, are you a baker? Like what, mm-hmm. what, what you know, like I know it sounds so so little, but like just knowing those little tiny things about your client. Because in my mind, I'm like, okay, like for their closing gift, maybe I should get them that. But it's not about that. It's about trying to understand like what are their likes and dislikes and what makes them like what, excited. And from an expectations perspective, does that translate into I don't have enough counter space yeah, now? Yeah, exactly. You know, like there's so many different things that if you don't probe and you just yeah. kind of mental notes are good. Like you're still yeah. a step ahead of people. Right, right. But, but no, but then I'm like, I should have asked. Like, I mean, I just kind of like went on my way and I'm just like, wait a minute. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and we've talked about this in, in the past. Like when you're building the relationship and when you're starting, you know, your own discovery, some of the questions are going to determine how you deal with them in the future too. You know, you might you might get a feel right out of the gate that they're not the kinds of people who want you to be probing all the time. True. And, you know, yeah. but like this is all you can't get anywhere without like you said, asking questions, digging deeper. And so, once you've got that relationship and trust, the rest of it really flows easier. The discussions might not be easy discussions, but bad news or or revisions or, you know, the growth and, and life cycle of the listing are a lot easier to communicate when you've got a good relationship Absolutely. versus when yeah, it's kind of cold. Yeah. Um, and that's where kind of part two, as a, if we're still talking about sellers, you know, where our expectations come is once you're live, and once you're actually going and everybody's agreed and this is where we hope things are going to go, I, my, my approach is always from the beginning, here's how this could go. Yeah. And I think you do that too, right? Like You, you do that more than I do. I, I want to get better at that because I feel like that's an important piece to set It's dangerous. It's dangerous. But it's, it's, I think it, to me it's vital. Like to me it's what – I rely on because it makes me more comfortable when and if the shit hits the fan on something, right? Right. Because if I've only told people, hey, we're going for 1.1 million here. That's where I think it is. That's where you think it is. We're going to try to get more, but that's the number. 
if I don't tell them that, like, just so you understand, this, you know, 1.1 is where we hope it's going to be, but lots of things can happen here. And this is the way this could go. And as we go through this listing, we're going to be probing for feedback. We're going to see how many showings or not there are. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to get a feel for what people are saying. And if I need to, you know, tell you it's doing better or worse or whatever, all that I can tell you is that I'm not going to keep you in the dark until offer date or until something comes in because I don't want you to be blindsided by something that says 950,000. Right. I want to tell you that people are telling me they're not seeing the one one. Well, and there's not an exact science to pricing. Pricing is very emotional. Right. A buyer determining what they want to pay for it is a very personal decision. Mm -hmm. And from a seller's perspective, they can't... we need to inform them that they can't be offended by a number because that's how they value it. It's not how you value it, but you know, market conditions are only like you know, you can only look at the statistics and the data so much. At the end of the day, whatever somebody feels like paying for a property is what it's going to be worth. And so explaining that in a way that's a little bit more eloquent than I just did, but (laughs) helping them understand that, okay, I know the comps say this, but we've been on the market for three weeks and this is our first offer and this is what they're coming in at. So, you know, we can't ignore the fact that this is what somebody's offering. Right. Well, and the objectives of the people on either side of a transaction are completely opposite. Yeah. Right. So... You as a seller are trying to get the most money. The Mm -hmm. buyer across the table and their agent are trying to pay the least money. Yeah. And the arguments and the words that will be used, depending on who you're dealing with, can be insulting. They can be hurtful. They can be, you know, they, they just, they paint the picture that supports their objective. Even if it's friendly, you know, they're going to say the things that help support what they're coming forward with. Yes. And as an agent, it's important that we don't take a lowball offer personally for Mm -hmm. our clients. I just dealt with a situation where an offer came in significantly lower than what we were asking, um, only to get a second revised offer, um, within like a percentage of the, of the, the asking price. And that was just their strategy. And so when we received the offer, the original offer, I said, I said to my client, this is just a strategy. They just some people just want to see how low you're willing to to come back at. Right. Um and and you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes people are like, "All right, well, let's just counter back at this." Well, and this is where the expectations that you set with the other agents is important too. Yeah. Right? Like if you can take a step away from being so adversarial with people and just Yeah you know, not be like, even if you're fuming on the inside, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've seen offers where someone comes in low and the person across the table said like laughs or says like, what are you joking or something like that? You're not getting off to a good start. No. And and at the end of the day, you and the other agent are working towards the same goal. Like you're on the same team. Like obviously you both want to make a sale for your own personal reasons, but more importantly, you want to make something work between your clients because you know they both want to sell and they both want like the the other person loves the home and wants to buy it. So you guys need to work together to figure out how that's going to work. Right. So laying out how it's going to go. It's very rare. I've, I've found, maybe it's not in some markets, but it's very rare that the first offer that comes across any deal is signed right i I don't see it much Mm -hmm. 
It's nice if it is, unless you've had discussions before that gets submitted where you're already developing a relationship. But because of that, when something comes in, it's really good to just start to have this group expectation setting discussion where you're talking to your client saying, okay, this is how this could go. Here's our options. Here's where if we do this, this is what could happen. Mm -hmm. They could tell us to go screw ourselves. They could sign it. They could counter back, whatever. But then also to the other agent say, listen, I'm going to take this and I'm going to present it. Yeah. I can't say where they're going to go with this. You know, like, so when they get your answer, no one's ever surprised. And the ability to mitigate surprise helps everything because every conversation all these conversations we're nervous about having Mm -hmm. with clients with agents with whoever you're so much less nervous when you've already sort of dampened the blow with a discussion you've already had yeah and that that's at least another version of the same approach that i always take is just not painting a morbid picture but saying listen here's here's what can happen you know and and we're gonna aim for this but be prepared for this. And if this happens, here are the different angles we can take. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, clients just want to know that you have the answer to to the scenario that is in front of them. Yeah. Or or suggestions that that will be helpful versus being like, I don't know what we're gonna do here. This is a really low offer. Right. I think we should probably take it. It's well, the only and, one we've got. And, and that you have their back. Like absolutely. Like you're. I mean, we said you're on the team. Like when we say you're on a team with the other agent, yeah, it's because everybody's working to the same ultimate goal of a transaction. But you're you are your client's team for sure. And yeah. so, again, when they've developed the relationship with you and they trust what you're saying, you're gold with whatever you're saying. Is like yeah. we're doing this. This is my advice, and we're gonna see what happens here. Yeah. And whatever happens. There are more steps we can take. And just because you're on the same team as your client doesn't mean you're necessarily agreeing with right. them. It's more about just helping them see what what is in front of them. And sometimes it's convincing them. Like if you truly know that an offer they've received is in their best interest to take, it makes sense price-wise, the terms are in their favor, they're not going to get anything better, then it's up to you to figure out how to effectively communicate that to them in a way that helps them understand that you're also on their team. You're not trying to convince them because you want to get a deal done. You're trying to convince them because you know in your heart and based on your experience that this is the best thing for them. Right. And you need to be prepared for all kinds, for your own expectations of what can happen when you tell someone to walk away from something or Mm -hmm. when you tell someone to take something and down the road, yeah, they can hear that whatever they got a great deal they got ripped off they got this you if you're confident in your own professional opinion and they're confident in your professional opinion that is the best you can do that is why you yeah. do what you do and that in, in any situation where i've done that i can leave that situation comfortable knowing that i did the best i could i gave them the best possible advice and if they don't want to listen to that that's cool I mean, that's not cool but like I'll, <laughs> I'll move on knowing that i did what i could and that's and that's all that you can do at the end of the day is do your absolute best in representing your client in their best in the best interest that they you can. Yeah. And so really when it comes down to it the more you're able to get someone to not get shocked by anything even if it's bad news. Yeah. The easier every conversation is. Now that being said, 
there are times where even your best or worst case scenario gets blown out of the water because weird shit happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you can be surprised. You're a professional who could get totally blindsided by something good or bad. And that's okay. Yeah. So in, in saying you're laying out the alternatives or you're giving people the, you know, this is how things should go. Mm it doesn't mean one of those angles is what's going to happen. Right. Right. You know, like if if you're selling a place and you tell someone, listen, we, we could get a million for this place, might go up to 1.1 and you get someone who comes in at 1.5 million. Mm. We, we've had somebody, I mean, not that extreme, but we had someone come in obscenely high. Mm. And because we hadn't even considered that as an option, mm-hmm. the seller was nervous that the not to take the good offer. Yeah. That was recent that we had that like that like you never told me I could get this high. Like nothing's been this high. And we're like, well no 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 like we actually did a good job here. Yeah. But sometimes that's a that better can that's a better thing to explain. But yeah, mo- mo- yeah more often than not though, it's the alternative where you set maybe a floor expectation mm-hmm. and I shouldn't say more often than not. But if there's no. gonna be a surprise, it's gonna be on the negative side versus yeah. the positive side. Yeah. And it happens. So it's not something, and truthfully, again, if you've got a good relationship, your genuine surprise will typically be accepted and appreciated by your client too, as like, Mm -hmm. this wasn't something any reasonable person could have seen coming. Yeah. And let's talk about how we deal with this. Like there's still an approach to take with everything, whether it's a surprise or not. Okay. And then let's talk about talking about it. Let's talk about the communication because there's different ways we communicate with our clients. A lot of us text with our clients. A lot of us send emails Mm -hmm. and a lot of us have phone conversations. And And now video chats. And now video chats. But I think there is an appropriate time for all of those methods and a lot can get lost in a text, a lot of the tone or how your client or just how they read um, a certain email or a text. They could yeah. misunderstand something very easily. So when it comes to the important shit, you want to get on the phone or in person or on video so that you can like properly explain it and properly answer all of their questions. I agree. But I, I do no, I do agree. I think when you're doing that though, make painfully clear that they understand what you're saying when you're in person or fa- or when something's not written yeah, down. Yeah, well that's the thing like anything could be misunderstood. Even when you're t- I just feel like it's more likely to be misunderstood if it's a th- if it's through a text. If yeah, if it's a, that's the thing. Words matter so much that if something is written a certain way, you could interpret it one way and they can interpret another. Mm-hmm. The reason I do, I like to do both wherever possible is if you can have the talk so that they understand and then reiterate it in writing so that down the road, they don't say, well, you never said that. Mm-hmm. I, I like having things in writing. I just like a record of the tough conversations. I don't like that to be the conversation. You're right. Like, I think yeah. that that's a cop out. I, yeah, I feel like with your clients, though, you're at that point in the relationship where you got you guys are kind of understanding each other. Maybe not. I'm talking more in the initial stuff. When I'm setting initial expectations, I like to say, here's how everything's going to roll. Yeah. And like, just so like, this is something, and it's more like, here's kind of our work back schedule or here's like, it's not always about price. Like, and that's why when, when we started, like expectations aren't always price. Expectations are what you're going to do for people. Mm-hmm. Expectations are the timing, are, you know, the degree, like, hey, I'm staging your place. 
Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, and I think also there's there there's another fine line when we're talking about things that can happen. Number one, you don't want to shock them. Like if 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 one time, like I mean, we've had this happen before where um an agent loses the keys to the house and doesn't put them back in the lockbox. And we don't know which agent it was, but now we're dealing with other buyer agents that are trying to get in the house. There's no key and somebody's lost the key. Mm-hmm. Now, do you tell every other seller that when you're listing like we could lose your keys. Right. Like, yeah, no, you know yeah. what I mean? No, no, but like, there's just, and, and you can and get cheated. Happened. Like, that's the thing. Like, I will, after that happened, you start thinking like, oh my gosh, like, or or we had a situation where... We broke a guy's furniture. We broke a guy's that furniture. Happened. Yeah, or we had a situation where... <laughs> I'm just going to keep Oh my God, all of these up. things, right? But like, um, we, we fa- when your client, your seller client had like a video camera oh, yeah. um, at the front door, like just the, like the ring doorbell, and we caught um, an agent not present on a showing and he had given his own buyer the code to the lockbox. Two teenage girls. Yeah. So like, do you say that that could happen? Because it could. Right. Or is that something that's like so far-fetched that it only happens to you <laughs> well no, no i mean okay. you don't yeah no you're not you're not going through the laundry list of terrible things that can happen because ter- any terrible thing could happen anywhere yeah. any point in time right? right and things could go wrong and if i think the difference is if somebody asks the question yeah i'm not going to bs them and say that'll never happen right but but there's ways i guess around it you could change the code every week or every well, couple days it, or whatever it's it is. more yeah. like yeah like these are things like has it ever happened anywhere it doesn't even have to have happened to us like we've heard horror stories of all kinds of things yeah. right um but you can also use where appropriate, you know, different situations that have been less than positive to help educate your clients about things to do mm-hmm. and to make to show them that you care about more than just the sale price. You know, right. here's what you should consider about, you know, your belongings or here's what you should consider about a showing like it's better if you vacate the house. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were just at a showing this week where somebody was in the closet. Sitting in the and closet. The homeowner was in the closet. Just right. working away on his laptop. Yeah. So that's weird. Yeah. And I... <laughs> like, I know, it's the thing. Like, do you tell But you don't tell buyers, all your clients, like, yeah. We might find somebody in a closet. Yeah, and you don't tell the seller, like, hey, when there's a showing, don't go sit in your closet. Because that's weird, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, the more work we do, the more we're just equipped with little isms that we can share where appropriate. Yeah. And... It just makes you more prepared. Yeah. Yeah. But but the big stuff is really just making sure that people know what the whole experience is going to entail. Yes. And and I think when you're working with sellers, it's a lot easier to lay that out because you're doing a listing presentation. There's a lot more prep work ahead of actually putting it on the market. Mm-hmm. You, we need to treat our buyers the same way. You need to have a one-on-one conversation before even going out. You need to go through the paperwork. You need to sign a buyer rep agreement. Like That's what gets you caught. And I've done it in past... like earlier on in my career, um, I didn't get a buyer rep agreement because I was just like, okay, I just want get to the, get them out right. there and, and, and seeing houses. But then I never knew what they wanted. They left, like they started go- working with somebody else because mm-hmm. I hadn't established a professional relationship from the beginning. Yeah. And that's what's important. And on the agreement side of things, don't hide behind or live in the fine print 
if you're not going to ex- explain it to people. Because I think there's agents out there who they know they're protected by what was signed, but they never took the time to explain it. Mm. And Like what? Well, like, why are people saying, can I get out of my agreement with my agent? Why are people asking that question if they don't understand what it was that they signed? Right. You know, there's enough little things that are ev- in every agreement, even in the stuff that they're signing where like you kind of gloss over stuff and say, don't worry, this is all good. Just sign it. Mm. Part of setting expectations is making sure people understand what the process is, what they're signing, you yeah. know, what their risks are. And that, that sounds like no brainer stuff, but people don't. People just say, here, son, I'm going to send you a, an e-signing thing. Just click through mm-hmm. and then we'll see what happens. Right. And then down the road, they say, how do I get out of this deal? Or what do you mean? I don't have time to, I don't know. Like, what What, what do you mean they can get out of it if the home inspection is bad or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Um, buyers, I think, because we didn't really talk about them a lot, especially in this market, the expectation is such a moving target mm. that you need to set an expectation that there isn't a clear expectation. Mm. You know, like I think they need to understand how volatile a market is, how every transaction doesn't necessarily dictate the next one. Mm -hmm. You're almost starting fresh each time because you're just entering a new negotiation for a new place. And even though your criteria might remain the same, little things like setting people's expectation if they're in a popular area and every place has, you know, 10 people bidding on it, they're all moving place to place. People are adding to this group. The same unit three months down the road might cost 10% more than it does right now. Mm -hmm. And so do you always want to be playing catch up or not? And that's a tough thing to explain, but people need to understand the things that could happen if they're always trying to play the game. Mm -hmm. People are getting cute with the system. Generally, they're going to lose. Uh, And I mean, that goes for sellers as well. The ones that hold out for their number, hold out for their number, they never get it. And then they're forced to take an embarrassing price reduction that actually makes their place look worse than it might have at the beginning. Yeah. So identifying things like why you offer what you offer, why you ask what you ask, price strategies and what they do and what could happen are all important. But this is all part of the job. This isn't a lesson on how you do your job. It's just knowing what you know and instilling that in your clients so that they understand the approach you're taking and they understand how they should be approaching things themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just preparing, communicating and and being on their side at all times. And you'll be you'll be golden kind of sort of most of the time. So gold. I've made it this entire podcast without even a half dad joke. I'm not funny today. No, you're not. This is serious. Is it? I'm serious. You are serious. Trying to set people's expectations going forward. (laughs) There's going to be no more entertainment on this podcast. (laughs) That's sad. No, it's not true. Sad day. That's the worst case scenario is that I'm just like monotone. (laughs) And I'll be a slow death of this podcast. (laughs) So are we done? I guess. (laughs) So yeah, communicate, relate, educate, be great. Dad joke. Not really. No. It was just rhyming. It was more like a Dr. Seuss approach to real estate. (laughs) All right. We will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.